Welcome to Tulsa Bible Church's brand new podcast called Hidden God, where we explore issues of theology and culture in order to help build healthy, relevant churches right here in the Tulsa area and in the States. I'm joined by Daniel Newberry. He's my co-host. My name is Jared Verweel, and this is Hidden God. Hey, welcome back to Hidden God. I'm Jared Verweel, joined with Daniel Newberry. Daniel, uh, Frankie. Frankie. <laughs> What's up, yes. man? Uh, you know, not, that's what the youth call me. Ever since they found out my middle name was Frank, it was it went from Franklin to to Ben Franklin to Big Ben, then to Little Ben. I don't know why, and then back to Franklin, and now I'm Frankie. And that's so, a that's a quite a road. It is. Yeah, I'm very confused about my identity in the in the youth group right now. You know, you know, you're in though when they start giving you nicknames. Yeah, I feel pretty in. I feel important. Yeah, cool. Like yeah. King King Newberry, the best. That that one's gonna stick. Yeah, I <laughs> I can get down to that one. I'm not gonna lie; it makes me feel pretty good. Your Highness. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, and then you know that on top of I I related to Darth Vader among all the Star Wars characters. This is oh yeah evil emperor kind of stuff I'm heading towards. Have you had any good conversations with uh, with KC lately? Tall. Tall guy, yeah. Untrust. The untrustable. Yes. Untrustable, is that a word? I don't know. I don't know either. Uncrustable is a sandwich. (laughs) Untrustable. (laughs) I'm going with it, man. You know, I saw him the other day. He was telling me about some business business books he's reading. Oh, yeah. And his uh, his quest for the CPA, which is like... That's awesome. Man, I hear it's just crazy. Four four separate tests kind of crammed into one. Oh, my gosh. And like nobody passes this thing first time around so just kind of like you you would think accountants you'd just like mm-hmm. hey what are you guys doing you're studying stuff mm-hmm. how much is there really to know about numbers right i mean come on guys right i mean honestly if i meet anyone who likes to do numbers i immediately trust them to do my taxes right way more than i trust myself to go on turbo tax right i hate numbers man yeah so i mean if you say that you like math you are already way up there for my on my standard speaking of somebody who's way up there Casey. Oh yeah, Casey. Casey. He is he is way up there. He's way up, up there. in the clouds. Dude's <laughs> tall, <laughs> and he's got some some thick hair, and so that just adds to his height. I noticed that. Yeah, I wonder if day. he. I wonder if he does that on purpose. I think he does. It's an intimidation tactic. Yep. Yep. You know, I was talking with him. I, I've always had a rule when I'm reading novels or, or really just any book at all. If I find typos in the book or I find grammatical mistakes, I immediately discredit the author in my mind. I mean, lately I've kind of gone a strike one, strike two, strike three basis. But usually if I find those kinds of errors, I think, is this person person even trustworthy? Have they put the time in to actually think about this enough? They didn't even catch these errors in their writing. Right. Should I trust what they're writing? Because clearly they're not a thorough enough person. That's what my immediate thought is. Right. And so, you know, I'm reading this book the other day and it has typos in it. I'm like, what is, what is, how do you miss this kind of stuff? You know? So I talked to... Maddie about this. And she tells me, she's like, you know, Casey actually really likes it when he finds typos in his books. And so when I talked to him about this, it is interesting. So I asked him, I said, dude, you like reading books with typos? And he, (laughs) his response had me thinking so long about this on the way home. I mean, I was still driving home thinking about this. He was like, well, Daniel, would you rather read Paul's original letter 
like the one he actually hand wrote to the to the Ephesians, or would you rather read the translation that we have now? Hmm. Well, my answer was clearly I'd rather read Paul's original, original. letter. Yeah. yeah, and he says so. When I come across typos in books, I feel like I'm not that far removed from the original author's thoughts. Nice. That blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was. I, I get what? that. Yeah, I get that. Right? I get, suddenly, I feel like it's actually more trustworthy now to read a book with typos in it than not. Man, so you know this. It's it's interesting that you bring that up because like pastors, mm-hmm. you see, like they'll do a sermon series, and all of a sudden, this thing is like makes it to the shelf. It has its own book mm. and whatnot. And so, a lot of these guys, what they're doing is they're preaching a sermon, and then they have somebody on their staff come in, put all of it to type. Like, oh, wow. like write it out for them, take away all the uhs and the ums, of course, that you'd mm. hear in the sermon. Right. And then they, and then they make it publishable for a book, you know, so you're really not reading what the pastor wrote per se. Right. right? Okay. You're kind of listening and, and I, I don't know, man, I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I don't know. That's because when I'm up there, if I'm ever speaking, I'm going to say, I'm going to talk differently than I'm going to write. Right. You know, I'm going to communicate ideas differently. When I read uh, some of John Piper's articles, yeah. they do exactly that. You know, he'll uh, there's a video of him preaching it, and then there's a typed out version of it. Right, and it, it's always different. It's 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 odd reading it versus listening. Hmm. You get different ideas from there. Hmm. You'd be a good biblical textual critic. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we see will what, see. See what happens. That is interesting, though. I've never. I've never thought about that. Whenever I find a mistake in a book, I'm kind of like, oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But now I feel like the fool, and yeah. I appreciate it more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, right. we're both on a fool's errand here. Well, that's true. But Speaking of fools, uh, C.S. Lewis. No, C- I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> what are Man. we talking about today? You know, some of the things that he said were probably pretty foolish. Probably. He wasn't, he wasn't God. Yeah, it's understandable. Now, we're going to talk about... Continuing in this uh, the series on mere Christianity, just dialoguing through it, we're up to the great sin. Mm. This brings us into a new section in mere Christianity. And you know, what is the great sin? Pride. Pride. I tried to think of something clever. I couldn't. Just yes. pride. Pride. If you could have, though, it would have been awesome. I know. I was trying to think of something. Yeah. I'll maybe, tell you later. I'll maybe come up with something. Maybe later on. Yeah. Yeah, so he talks about pride and... And he really um, ends up getting pretty deep into this sin and how it affects every other sin, how mm-hmm. it's at the root of all other sin. And I like how he fleshes it out. It really, number one, he's going to draw us closer to Christ and show us that that pride is is kind of the anti-God state of mind mm-hmm. um, and how how powerful pride can really be. But he goes a, a step further than that, not just um, thinking about pride, how we might typically think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm proud of you for passing this CPA exam. Right. I'm proud of you for the way that you handled that situation. And he, and he goes down to like, you know, that's, that's not really the pride that I'm talking about. I'm talking about something much deeper, like a comparison pride, mm-hmm. having something more than the next person, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what I like is that he does, he starts off with that definition, what is pride? And then he moves into how does that influence our lives? And so today, I mean, in, at the beginning of this chapter, he, he says that, you know, the vice... He, okay, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. When he speaks of pride, he says, there is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. So right from the start, this is not only something that we need to define, but we immediately need to recognize all of us are guilty of this. Man. None of us want to admit it. 
the ground is level mm-hmm. at the foot of pride, mm-hmm. kind of at the foot of the cross. Yeah, everybody is guilty of pride. I mean, you can't get away from it. And then he goes on, he says, the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. Exactly. <laughs> How true is that? <laughs> so, uh, so hypocritical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, the, it's, it is interesting, the things that, and even pastors, to some extent, I've heard that they tend to preach most passionately mm-hmm. against the things that they struggle with the most. So mm. if you, you know, again, here's C.S. Lewis talking about pride and he's just saying like, this is a nasty, ugly sin, mm-hmm. but you also hear a little humility coming into play that like, man, I'm just as guilty as having this pride as the next guy. Right. And here's in fact how it affects like everybody in, mm-hmm. in all humanity. This is one of those things that, that we have because of the fall, right. inherited sin nature, like we are all going to deal with pride. Right. Absolutely. And he says that we need to, you know, he talks about needing to address the fact that we we do have pride in our own hearts. And if you're unwilling to address pride in your own heart, then you're worshiping an imaginary God who always approves of what you do and disapproves of what other people do. Man. And you don't, then he says, you're invalidating your own authentic relationship with God. Man. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's dive in. Let's dive in <laughs> let's, a little bit to this, it. man. So he said, one of the things he says here, uh, right at the beginning, mm-hmm. according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Mm-hmm. But like, wow, if you're going to identify, let's, let's line up the sins, right? <laughs> and it, I mean, this is very reminiscent of where Jesus gets when mm-hmm. he starts talking about the heart in the gospel. Because yeah. when you and I think of like the worst kind of sins, what's, what's the first thing you're going to think of? Sexual immorality. Man, unchastity, mm-hmm. adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, you might even, you, you put like murder mm-hmm. up there, the oh, 10, yeah. the 10 commandments. Absolutely. Right. Where is pride mm-hmm. in the 10 commandments? Right. You, a lot of people don't even think about it, but here Lewis is saying the utmost, the worst of the worst is mm-hmm. pride. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm going to, we're going to have church discipline on somebody in our church family because let's say they committed infidelity against their the person that they're married to against their spouse. Mm-hmm. And this is like, this is obvious, right? You know, it happened. Some, one of the spouses comes to the church says, Hey pastor, this is a, a huge situation. I need counseling. I don't know what to do. My marriage is falling apart. My spouse just cheated on me. found out about it in a way that I don't even, I've never even been to this world before. They're totally crushed. They're totally broken. You say, okay, this person that did it, man, this is a church discipline issue. Mm-hmm. We don't really do that with pride. No, we don't. And yet Lewis is saying this is the utmost evil. So, okay, number one, why not? Right. And number two, how do we begin to even measure this thing? Yeah. Our pride. Absolutely. I think that, you know, you be, you look at this and, and like you said, that, that situation definitely seems like a much more heinous and intense situation and definitely worthy of church discipline in some way, whereas pride most certainly doesn't. And I think that we see... I think we see pride when Lewis talks about it being the worst of all the vices, more playing a role of an ingredient in almost every vice there is. Yeah. So, you know, the same situation, pride more than likely, if you boil all this down, the one ingredient you're going to have at the very bottom of it all is likely going to be pride. Right. And that's where the heinousness of it, it is more heinous than any because it's behind almost every sin there is. Right. So here's, here's what um, a marriage situation, mm-hmm. you know, we've had this. Spouse comes in, my my husband has cheated on me, mm-hmm. kind of deal. Mm-hmm. 
So you say, okay, well, what have you done in the marriage that might've contributed to an unhealthy sense of, of the relationship or whatever? Well, I can't really think of anything that I did that was bad. Guess what that is? <laughs> Pride. Pride. <laughs> exactly. So like, man, this is, again, we're taking our understanding of sin from uh, committing these acts, maybe even getting caught mm-hmm. for something. And we're going back to motivations, desires, feelings, will. Yeah. And man, if you think about like we're an elder led church, mm-hmm. we, we are a congregational church and that we vote for pastors and um, budget ideas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we make a, if we decide to remodel the sanctuary or something, you know, at some point in time, the, the church will be involved in that. Right. So to support or to deny it or something. But, you know, if you say, man, somebody is talking poorly about the church leadership, mm-hmm. right? And they're unwilling to submit to the authorities that God has put in place in church leadership. And pride is a huge aspect of, of submission mm-hmm. to the authorities that God has placed over you to obedience to your parents. Even yeah. I'm so prideful. I know better than they know, you mm-hmm. know, and, and man, you're not again, like to disobey your parents. You don't put that up for like church discipline, right? Ability. But, but man, if it, if it goes to the further steps, it is, we're not going to start grading sins according Mm -hmm. to what is more evil, what is less evil when at the heart, Mm -hmm. like all sin is rooted in pride. Yeah, absolutely. This is like, this is where, I mean, I know we've, we've gone back to this one time in scripture several times so far in this podcast, especially in Lewis's book, but that's where it all began with Adam and Eve. You know, it was pride. It was, I want to be like God. I want to be better than God. I want to be better than I am now. It's not, and and Lewis defines pride in this way in the chapter. He said, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having it more, having more of it than the next man. So the issue with Adam and Eve was not pleasure in in having that relationship with God or or how they already had life there, but was to have more than God. Right. Yeah. He says that um, it was through pride that the devil became the devil. Mm Mm-hmm. Pride leads to every other vice. It's the complete anti-God state of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're not going to submit. You're not going to listen. You're not mm-hmm. going to worship God who created you. Instead, you've got the pride to think that you can be just like God. Right. This is what starts everything, and and probably that's a, a big reasons why that pride is at the root of mm-hmm. all sin, and self is at the root of all sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, talking about pride and competitive, it's competitive nature. Pride is essentially competitive, Lewis says. It's competitive by its very nature, while the other vices are competitive only, so to speak, by accident. Mm -hmm. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having something more than the next guy. So Mm -hmm. it's it's not just that um, we want to be rich. We want to be richer than that guy. Richer, exactly. You know, we want to be clever. It's, man, I want to be more clever than the next guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rachel often criticizes me. This was convicting for me reading this chapter. Rachel often criticizes me, uh, <laughs> and rightfully so, when you're driving, and I, it's gotten worse ever since I started driving my truck. Just something about driving a truck, man. On the road. They're uh, so comfortable, man. They're, you they're, just... they're so comfortable. You feel bigger than everyone else. Yeah. It growls louder. You just, anyway, get back to that pride <laughs> issue. Um, and so we're on the highway. I got to get over so I can exit. Someone in my way 
I have one of two options. Speed up, go extremely fast to get around them so I can take that exit or go behind them. My pride always gets in the way. I am going to be in front of this person or I'm going to be in front of this person to turn right at this light. I am not going to be the guy behind this person. I'm going to speed up and get around them. Man. Always got to be in a better place than everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's this comparison nature of pride and the uh, what pride services at is a quest for power mm-hmm. too. So he says, for of course, power is what pride really enjoys. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that makes a man feel so superior to others as being able to move them about like toy soldiers, mm-hmm. right? So if, if we have power, if we have control, we're comfortable, we're good. Mm-hmm. The second that we don't have control over a situation or that our power is threatened, that's when it's like, oh boy, Game of Thrones, like right. <laughs> who's going to win this one, you know? And, and everybody, you know, everybody who plays the Game of Thrones is bound to get hurt at mm-hmm. some point in time. So, so power in comparison are the two things that, that Lewis really points out to say, this is how pride manifests itself in life. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and then he moves on and he says, he says uh, in this chapter, the Christians are right. It is pride, which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Other vices may sometimes bring people together. You may find good fellowship and jokes and friendliness among drunken people or unchaste people, but pride always means enmity. It is enmity, and not only enmity between man and man, enmity between man and God. Which is the big, here's, here is the one power mm-hmm. that you're not going to be more powerful than. Right. Here's the one to compare yourself against that you can never compare yourself ultimately to. Exactly. Like, God is always bigger. He is always stronger. He's always more than mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. He's always better than we are. You know, and that should kind of um, direct us. Again, it, it should take us to him for that... Um, superior nature, his supremacy, mm-hmm. the highness of God is something that we kind of just say like, wow, this is a amazing, majestic, mm-hmm. omniscient, omnipotent God that, that exists, that uh, he's created me to worship him. But it also should tell us something about ourselves right? too. And that's, and I think that's where pride leads us to the gospel mm-hmm. and the truth of the gospel. And I love how Lewis does that. He says, In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Mm. And unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. Mm -hmm. As long as you are proud, proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, he says, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Really clever. Man, <laughs> that was more, more clever, more, more clever than me. Yeah. Humility. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. So, so he, here he says this, and this is a, I think this is a really good question. Mm-hmm. How is it that people who are quite obviously eaten up with pride mm-hmm. can say they believe in God and appear to themselves very religious? Right. I mean, and that's where he said, I mean, that's where you kind of get into this whole, you're worshiping an imaginary God Man. at that point. You're not worshiping a God who is proving to you how big he is. And, and, and like he said, when you're in comparison there, you have to see how small you are, Man. you know, and that has to call out your own pride in your own heart. And if it's not, you're not looking at the real God. You're looking at something you've created in your own mind. But I'm a better Christian than you, Daniel. <laughs> 
well, I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, no, yeah, and yeah. here's how, and this is just how it influences Christian community. And mm-hmm. this is such a key aspect that we need to dive into and embrace this and like mm-hmm. just dig in a little bit here. Um, we have a problem with Christians comparing themselves to other Christians. Absolutely. Like it is, it is an epidemic and it, and it goes something like this. Like I came to more Bible studies than you came to. Mm-hmm. I memorized more verses than you memorized this year. I've got more patches on my Awana vest than mm-hmm. you've got this year. And it, you know, no comments here about Awana. It's a great ministry, all that stuff. Yeah. But as Christians, you know, and this happened to me when I first trusted Christ is I wanted to, I wanted to come to more Bible studies because I was growing, I was learning more. It was such an enjoyable aspect, like diving into God's word and, yeah. and spending time with brothers and sisters in Christ was like a dynamic that I'd never experienced before. Mm-hmm. But I quickly, very quickly thought of myself as really a much better person than I was because of the comparisons that I was making against people, maybe even subconsciously. Yeah, absolutely. And if we were to, I mean, I've seen this recently in our culture, in the Christian culture in America with uh, John Christ, that uh, evangelical comedian. He, several, almost a year ago now, I think it was, all those sexual allegations had come out against him, and he just completely disappeared off the face of the earth. And just the other day, he posted his first video in eight months where he basically just kind of went on there and apologized for everything and said, you know, I was a sinful person. I was struggling with some specific sins. Since then, I've gotten help, and I'm hoping that, you know, my relationship with God is, you know, I'm, I'm in the right path now. So many different reactions in there, a lot of which people are immediately condemning him and saying, you should, you don't, you know, you you should, you don't deserve this. You should not be back in this. You should not so quickly be accepted back into this, this clique of Christianity that we've created is basically what they're getting at. And that is at the core for a lot of those people is going to be an issue of pride, of thinking, I've never done the horrible things you've done. And I know that if I had done that, I wouldn't be accepted back. You should not be accepted back into this. We see it all the time in our community. Yeah. Um, And and Jesus talks about how the judgment side of that Mm -hmm. can go to a horrible spot. Oh, yeah. Before you look and take the splinter out of your brother's eye, like there's a huge log in your own eye, right, man. And, and probably it, it comes down to your feelings of superiority mm-hmm. against this person. And, and my goodness, it's again, all of us kind of have to take the step back when Paul, when he talks about a, a very good informal church discipline verse is Galatians six, one. Hmm. And he says, brothers, if any of you, which I love the way he starts that any of you elders, deacons, pastors, Bible study leaders, or even just the attender, mm-hmm. you know, if any of you are caught in any trespass, I don't care what it is, you who are spiritual, go and restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, Yes, looking to yourself, lest you also be, you know, caught in a, um, in, in, in an area of sin in your own life, mm-hmm. you know, or, or enticed into the same sin. So, so man, he's, he's basically saying like, look, when you confront somebody on sin, mm-hmm. you need to be really careful how we do that. We're yeah. going to do that. Number one, we're going to do it with gentleness. And number two, we're going to do it with a lot of humility and understanding that we're just as much sinners mm-hmm. as everybody else who needs the gospel mm-hmm. and has trusted Christ and, and whatnot. And that, 
when a community can have that perspective, yeah. you're still dealing with the truth. Mm-hmm. You're not shying away from calling a sin a sin, but right. you're you're dealing with it in a loving way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it would change a lot on uh, on church community aspects of doing this stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, we we look at a lot of different sins, and uh, in, in, in the most of the New Testament was written saying, "Stay away from different sins. Let the church be unified and in community." And so we look at different sins and see how divisive they are. And pride is going to be one of those sins that most certainly is divisive in the unity in the church in that exact way. We're not going to call someone out. We're just going to think of how much better we are than them. Right. And maybe even rub it in their face a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. And it, again, power mm-hmm. in comparisons. Mm-hmm. Power in comparisons. So I'm not going to be controlled by this person, right? Because right. I'm better than they are. Right. Kind of deal. And, and if they're going to dive in, like I'm going to anchor in my own heels and we're going to go to bat and all of a sudden... All of a sudden, you've got all of a sudden you got a church split. Oh yeah, absolutely. On your hands, absolutely. And all and the whole time it was a quest for power, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the guys actually, in dealing with conflicts and relational conflicts in churches, a lot of the guys that come out of those looking um, pretty soft, mm-hmm. you know, and and that um, maybe they didn't maybe they didn't fight too hard for their own reputation. Or maybe they didn't fight too hard to say like, you know what, that's not true. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I think those guys were just looking at their own heart and saying, you know what, man, I'm a sinner. I might not have done exactly what you're telling me is going on mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but I know how broken and how much I need Christ and the mm-hmm. gospel. And I'm not going to fight against this because because of that. You know, mm-hmm. and that's a genuine humility um, that says, you know, I'm not um, I'm not immune to sin. Right. Basically. And, and um, I appreciate appreciate those perspectives a lot. Absolutely. Very Christ-like yeah. and countercultural. I like how uh, Lewis calls pride the spiritual cancer. Mm. He says it eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even mm-hmm. common sense. You know, and cancer is one of those diseases that kills by reproducing. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you think about a spiritual cancer, that's exactly what pride is. Absolutely. Yeah. And... You know, just kind of getting back and in, getting into a practical sense of this, he says, you know, how are we to know if pride is influencing our lives, you know? And he says, he writes, luckily, we have a test. Whenever we find that our religious life is making us feel that we are good, above all, that we are better than someone else, I think we may be sure that we are being acted on, not by God, but by the devil. The real test of being in the presence of God is that you either forget about yourself altogether, or you see yourself as a small, dirty object. Man. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. How do I know if I'm being prideful? Exactly. Right now there's, man, let's do some self-examination. There's a way to do that. Right. And I love, I love what he brings out on that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then he starts, he goes on talking about different misunderstandings of what pride is. And I think you started off on that saying, you know, if you say you're proud of your son and how well he did in his baseball game, clearly that's okay. You know, that's not the kind of pride we're getting at. Um, And another one of which is, we, he says, we must not think that pride is something God forbids because he is offended at it, or that humility is something he demands as due to his own dignity, as if God himself was proud. He is not le- the least worried about his dignity. He just wants you to know him. Man, such a great aspect and a great comparison between us and God. Mm-hmm. Why we need him, what draws us closer to him. Mm-hmm. And again, that the faith element yeah. that draws us to the gospel comes when our pride is broken, you know, and we see that we need 
God, we need him in our lives desperately. Mm-hmm. We turn to him with humility, which is, it's, it's an essential aspect of faith and who he is. We talk about faith. I love talking about this concept of faith. Like it's, it's this nebulous kind of feeling that's out there. Right. Sort of deal. I've got faith in this thing. I've got faith in that thing, whatever. But man, a, an essential aspect of faith has to be humility mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we are the created. God is the creator and he is, he is so much greater and superior to, to us. Hence the faith that we have in him. In him has to be, has to be in him. That's a great point. Um, and then he, Lewis kind of ends this chapter and kind of final points here and talks about humility. Mm-hmm. And I love um, some of the things that he says about humility and in the very last paragraph, if anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud and a biggish step too. At least nothing, whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are conceited indeed. <laughs> Very conceited indeed. Man, that's convicting. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and just a little bit before that, he talks about how if we were to if we were to try to find a humble person nowadays, it probably wouldn't be the person we're expecting. It's not going to be the guy who talks about how little he is and how not great he is. It's going to be the person he says, an intel- a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. Man, yeah, yeah there's a famous, real famous C.S. Lewis quote about humility: what it is and what it isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and there there is a sense of false humility mm-hmm. that we have to guard against. And that is the guy that has like, oh, poor pitiful me. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I can never do anything right. I can never say anything right, right. kind of thing. Everything I touch just turns bad in a heartbeat kind of deal. And that's and that really is a false sense of humility because yeah. you're still thinking about yourself yeah, and self-esteem and, and all these other things. So Lewis would say um, that humility is not thinking less of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's thinking of yourself less. Right. Right. And that's, and there's a big difference between those two things. When we think of our self less, hopefully our mind is thinking instead on Christ and the gospel, Mm. on his greatness, on how worthy he is, how unworthy we are, Mm -hmm. you know, but how worthy he is, how great he is and what a loving relationship looks like Mm -hmm. to trust him in faith. That's, that's where humility should ultimately lead us not to a poor self-esteem, not mm-hmm. to a false self-esteem, but to the person of Christ and to God. Absolutely. So anyway, um, we're going to press on and, and see us Lewis and pick up some more chapters as we go. There'll probably just be a few more of these. We might uh, intersect some other ideas and take a break from time to time. But thanks for joining us again on Hidden God. Um, we are, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's plans? You got any, any good stuff going on this weekend? Any more outdoor concerts? We are going to an outdoor concert tonight. Come on, man. Yeah, every Thursday night. Well, this is the last one, but okay. yeah, going. We invited my sister and her friend. You met Jack and Heidi. Yeah. Uh, her, I say her friend, her boyfriend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to imply anything that's not there. This is good. This is good. <laughs> um, yeah, but they're, they're going to be joining us. It's fun, man. Just going, sitting out there, listening to some really great local musicians. Yeah. It's good stuff. Get some shade, hopefully. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like... 110 out there. Yeah. Oh boy. It's hot out there. Got my Ethan's last baseball game tonight. About to ask that, man, that's awesome. Man, I'd sweat like a pig. I'm out there pitching for these guys, <laughs> just sweating. And I don't, 
and I think I'm kind of like putting too much pressure on myself because I got to throw strikes and stuff. But mm. but man, it is it is hot up in Tulsa this year. It's gonna be fun. So in in this in Ethan's division, is there like you know a state championship thing? Are you guys doing that or? Just rec league. They they actually had to combine two ages. Oh, okay. This year because of the COVID and right not having enough teams to really field a, a good season. So, so yeah, this will be. They just play the regular season games. Play every team once. Okay. Once they're done with that, season's over and kind of go from there. So we're having a lot of fun with it. Ethan's first year playing. That's exciting. He's still figuring out the game. Yeah. Trying to get some batting tips from uh, Uncle Kirk <laughs> over here so he can hit some line drives and nail the ball. So we're working on it. Yes. It's a lot of fun. It's awesome. Now, now he can compare himself to everybody else on the team. Yes, that's right. I can hit farther than you. (laughs) I can can run faster. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to, after the game, we'll talk about pride tonight. Yeah, boy. (laughs) It'll be be great. It'll be great. It's a good start. Anyway, have fun at the concert, man. You too. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time on Hidden God.